When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Seems hard to believe, but the NBA regular season is going to be coming to a close on Sunday. The sprint toward the end. Who's going to be what seed? Who's going to be in the play and Who's going to be securely in a playoff spot? Who's going to miss it out altogether? Take a look at that right now on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM at Channel 80. And on your smart speaker, I'm Gabe Knights, along with Courtney Cronin, as we fill in for the guys today in ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. And I feel that this is a conversation that's really more geared toward the Western Conference, Courtney, because the East isn't very deep. It seems like you have the three teams at the top in the Bucks, the Celtics, and the 76ers, and everybody else below that doesn't seem like they might be able to make a lot of noise. But oh, Over in the Western Conference, when it seemed like the Dallas Mavericks are currently on the outside looking in of the play-in tournaments and right now are the 11th seed in that conference, it seems like there are some teams that could potentially match up with some of those teams at the top that they don't want to see either in that first or in that second round in the Western Conference semifinals. So when you take a look at the NBA landscape, who is a team that you think nobody wants to see in the NBA postseason? The Warriors, and I'll say the Lakers right now. I know that the Lakers are the seven seed. They've been really hot as of late, and hot meaning 40 and 38 is their record, and they are in play-in territory right now. They're not one of the six seeds that make their way into the postseason without having to go the route of the play-in tournament, but... The health has been a concern all year long. And when we were talking with Brian Windhorse about, you know, Anthony Davis playing on the back end of a back-to-back coming up here soon and what that means for LeBron James and how Russell Westbrook has fit into the mix. If you would have asked me this a month ago, Gabe, I would have told you I think that they're going to be in the territory the Dallas Mavericks are currently in on the way outside looking in is the 11th seed. Can they actually make noise? Maybe I'm still very skeptical about that because the same situation last year when we were talking about Anthony Davis and his health and yeah, they just need to get in, like put yourself in a, in a prime spot to just make a run. I don't know if they're entirely capable of that the way that they once were. And then the other team that falls into that mix is a completely different story. The Golden State Warriors always tend to mess around and find out when it like becomes the most convenient for them. They are in a prime spot as the sixth seed with Andrew Wiggins coming back, 22-game absence for him, to start being the Warriors that we know. And by that, I mean this is a team that has sucked on the road this year. That is the putting it bluntly. They were like 9-30 and or 9-31. and They are not very good away from Chase Center. What team do you get in the postseason? It's the team that has the experience of running through the postseason to get to the championship and then winning championships. You have your entire core back from last year. Am I supposed to not be afraid of the Golden State Warriors if I'm a team (laughs) that's getting ready to face them and potentially have to face them at home? Like, I'd be worried about that for real. Well, I mean, right now, 
I, I want you to tread carefully because I know you've already had to issue a couple of mea culpas to the Sacramento Kings fans. Okay. And and and, and, and I'm just saying right okay. now, the six seed, three seed matchup would be Golden State Sacramento. You just know. Saying. I definitely apologize, and I will do it again to the Sacramento Kings fans, all three of you that I insulted because I said you guys were frauds. You were with me that day that I did that, and I'm I, I just I'm not I'm gonna double down though until you win a playoff series. Don't talk to me because they have a historically bad defense. Great offense, they can score a lot of points, mm-hmm. but their defense is not very good. Hmm. Who else does this remind you of? Hmm. Team that we were just talking about. I don't know. The Dallas Mavericks. Looks what, look at what happens when you don't have viability on the defensive end of the floor. If they somehow made it to the conference finals, to the NBA finals, they would have a historically bad defense. Their efficiency rating is like 116.8 right now. It's not very good. So until they show me that that's not going to be a factor... I don't believe in the Sacramento Kings. I really – I don't. I think they are a good story. I need to see them win a playoff series first before I go all in. The, the Kings are a tremendous story, and they end one of the longest droughts in, in recent memory in terms of teams that have not been to the postseason. They've been a fabulous story. They've been a fun team to watch offensively, but it does seem a little rough that you get the defending champs who might be getting healthy at the right time with Andrew Wiggins set to come back. Matt Barnes was on Freddie and Fitzsimmons last night, and he spoke on the importance of Andrew Wiggins to that Warriors team. Huge, you know, a two-way guy who was, you know, arguably the, you know, one of the top three or four players in the finals last year. Uh, the way he was playing on both ends of the floor, including rebounding, um, I think he'll be a huge addition. And it's weird, as bad as the Warriors have been, I feel like mm-hmm. the most important thing come playoff time is experience, and obviously playing good basketball. But I think experience is obviously where the Warriors hoard the key at. So as bad as they they've been this year I wouldn't be at all surprised if they happen to just turn it on during the playoffs and end (laughs) up finding their way back to the western finals or or even further to the finals yeah it's the one team that in the west where I I 100% believe what Matt Barnes was just selling I think that they are a team because of all the experience that they have this run that they've been on with their core of Draymond and Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson that that core with what they have around them can turn it on and be a problem for anybody in the western conference it is also tight out there in the west that they are a team that nobody's going to be shocked if they go back to the NBA finals because of the talent that they have on that roster and they probably wouldn't be in the sixth seed if some of these injuries that they dealt with. Remember, Curry missed some time this year, and they stayed afloat in his absence, but I'm sure that factors into where they're at right now as the sixth seed. Now, on the flip side of that, if you go a little bit further up the standings, that Phoenix Suns team, I'm afraid to say most dangerous team, even though I look at a group that has... Chris Paul, Devin Booker's been playing great, Kevin Durant's back, pairing that with DeAndre Ayton. Like, in theory, I should be like, oh, this team should be the favorite coming out of the West. I can't do it yet because they've played such a they have such a small sample size that I'm not willing to be on paper. They look like that. Reality is a big different thing, and I just I'm not there yet with them. The I would have loved to see more of it, but again, like you mentioned, the, the injuries kind of prevented it. And I know you don't need to be as deep in the NBA postseason, but depth certainly helps. And they don't have any of it because they decided that they wanted to go with the star power and Kevin Durant and try to win an NBA Finals that way. I'm curious to know if that lack of depth on the roster is going to end up hurting them. But like you said, you just don't know. 
You just don't know. I mean, how much can you play Kevin Durant in playoff series, though? Are you going to be able to run him out there for 40, 42 minutes every single night? I, I doubt it with some of the injuries that he's had, but that's almost what they're going to have to do if they find themselves in tight series, which presumably they will because of how deep that Western Conference is. Canty and Colin presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits in one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Sounds like Aaron Rodgers and the Jets are committed to one another. There's only one issue with that. The Green Bay Packers have not agreed to a trade. To be honest, I got nothing on that one, guys. It takes two to tango, so we respect the process, and uh, whenever it gets done, it'll get done. We can wait. We have got a receiver that he's familiar with. We have got a play caller whom I saw Aaron effusively praise Nathaniel Hackett, how good of a relationship he has with him. So we can wait. You're not getting number one. Still playing the waiting game between the Jets and the Packers and if and when Aaron Rodgers is going to officially become a member of the Jets despite him declaring his intention that that's the team he wants to play for. The Jets saying they want him and the Packers saying we don't want him on our roster yet. Aaron Rodgers still remains a Green Bay Packers. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Gabe Nigel, Courtney Cronin in for the guys this afternoon. And it's been all quiet on the Aaron Rodgers front. You know, it started with trying to debate who had the most leverage, and now we still haven't heard much uh, over the course of the last seven days about a potential trade between these two organizations as Aaron Rodgers could potentially follow in the footsteps of Brett Favre and go from Green Bay out to New York. And for the Jets this year, trying to end a drought that goes back to 2010 in terms of them missing the playoffs. But the idea has been floated out there, Courtney, <laughs> of what if the Jets, sitting there at 13, decide, you know what, let's go ahead and draft a quarterback, which seems like a crazy idea to me, but Ryan Clark this morning seemed to be on board with the idea on Get Up. If they can trade back and do it, it's actually not a bad idea. And greedy. I'm only saying that because even you don't want Zach Wilson to be a hit away from being your quarterback. Now, Mm -hmm. the problem is, where is Hendon Hooker going to be with his injury situation? He hurt that knee late in the season in Tennessee. But if Will Levis slips, if Anthony Richardson happens to be hanging around at number three, which I don't expect him to, it's actually not a bad idea. Okay, so there's one there's one side of it. Somebody who seems to think that it's not a bad idea. Courtney played in the NFL. Think you you know his opinion should be respected here. Yeah, and I when he's talking about if they can trade back. So they're at 13 right now in the first round. He's thinking somebody's gonna jump up for. A corner or like <laughs> what? Like what are you jumping up to 13 for? Because. If everything projects out the way that, let's say Todd McShay has his draft right now, he's got four quarterbacks going in the top 14 because he has Tampa Bay moving up to where the New England Patriots are to get Will Levis. I guess they would be in play for Will Levis there, but if it is a situation where all four quarterbacks are gone by 10 and then you're the Jets there at 13, are you thinking Hendon Hooker for down the road? I mean, not saying it would be a bad pick, but... When you probably are spending two second-round picks, maybe a third, who knows what else, to try to get Aaron Rodgers, that first-round pick becomes pretty valuable to bolster your offensive line, to 
continue to add on defense wherever you want to. Cornerback, edge rusher, like, I don't know. But it's it just seems like it's not the right time for them right now because this Aaron Rodgers thing, all it needs to be done is executed. It just needs – the trade just needs to go through and the compensation needs to be agreed upon. I don't think this is the right year to start thinking – and I'm usually all for drafting a quarterback, but not with your first-round pick if you're the New York Jets. Well, there is a high-profile Jets fan who is on the set of Get Up, who seemingly, I mean, granted a little bit stronger than the words you just put it in, Courtney, agrees with you, as here was Greeny's reaction to the idea that his beloved New York Jets would draft a quarterback in the first round. Let me just respond to that with a question. Sure, you're going to have Aaron Rodgers, and you're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. What could go wrong? <laughs> oh, yeah, everything. This is the worst idea I've ever heard of my He's life. Are you out of your mind? I, I, I want this man expelled, not only from this conversation, but from all football conversations that are ever to come. Aaron Rodgers is going to lose his mind if the Jets draft Hendon Hooker, and you are in for this. You've made your bed. Sleep in it. Aaron Rodgers is the essence of easily aggrieved. Oh, and I'm not, I, can't even, I can't even sit like this. Are you, you want the Jets to take a quarterback in the first round now? We're just finally going to get Rodgers. You're going to piss him off before the whole thing even starts? D. Wood, this guy will be mad. He's going to be mad. He's going to be frustrated. This He's is not. a disaster. I'm going to fight Damian Woody now. Tannenbaum makes a good point that Aaron Rodgers is easily aggrieved, but I don't think that's the the foot you want to start the relationship off on when you're going, hey, we want to trade for this guy. This is the piece we think is missing for the Super Bowl. Let's go ahead and draft his replacement with our first pick when there are other holes on the roster that need to be addressed. Did we not see how this thing played out in Green Bay when they drafted Jordan Love? Like, Even if you tell Aaron Rodgers they're going to draft a quarterback— Spending a first-round pick on a quarterback means that you've got a timeline to make sure that quarterback is a good quarterback and that you're not just holding on to him or you're going to try to trade him. They did that with Jordan Love. You don't want to be in that same situation if you're the New York Jets waiting. Okay, Aaron, you're going to come back next year. You're going to play this year. How about the next year? All that stuff. Have some certainty here. Have a good backup. Have a plan. It just feels like this is... That's I get it. Like we're we're all waiting for Aaron Rodgers to go to the Jets. So right now it's like, well, he hasn't. Let's pontificate about what happens if they go the nuclear option and they draft a quarterback. <laughs> it's not great. It's entertaining, absolutely. I love seeing an unhinged greenie. I thought that that was incredibly entertaining. But the realistic nature of this tells me the offensive and defensive lines, you got to fortify those because you have a defense right now that has a window to do some really special things. They're still very, very good. You have the offensive player, offensive rookie of the year coming back. You've got the defensive rookie of the year coming back. This is a team that needs to make sure, top to bottom, it is ready to contend with everybody else in the AFC East, which is becoming an increasingly difficult division to play in. Not saying it'd be throwing away a pick to go get Hendon Hooker. I think he can be a tremendous pro when healthy. Just not the right time for a team where resources are not, you know, in, they're not like in, they're not dispensable. Like you have to use them wisely. Otherwise, you're probably not going to be in a good spot in a couple months. When you trade for Aaron Rodgers, you're going all in. You've decided that that defense that you just mentioned is good enough for you to make a run at a championship and that you are a piece, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL's history, away. And that's why you're trading for Aaron Rodgers. You're not going to then go, 
Oh, but let's also plan for the future. You you have to do everything you can, especially if you're not convinced he's going to be playing in 2024, to do everything in your power to fortify that roster, whether it's offensive line, defensive line, or just something that is going to potentially help you make a push in 2023. Because drafting a quarterback in the first round isn't going to help you this year get past the Buffalo Bills or the Cincinnati Bengals or the Kansas City Chiefs. Those are the types of teams that you're going up against in a stacked AF that you have to make sure that all all areas of your roster are humming and you're able to compete with those teams once you presumably make the postseason. And if you can't, then you wouldn't have made this... I, we wouldn't have had this gentleman's agreement right now. Hey, this is going to happen down the line. We're just trying to work out trade compensation. If you didn't feel that this was the route to go and you're okay putting yourself in limbo with Aaron Rodgers because you know he's on a one-year basis right now. You take one year at a time with him. If you weren't okay with that, then maybe you would have been in a spot where maybe they would wanted to trade up from 13 to go get a quarterback to fix their quarterback room. I still think that this thing happens. I just we're all waiting. April seventeenth is when they all report for OTAs. Hopefully by then we know more. I could see this thing dragging out until after the draft. Yeah, it, it very well could because the Packers could sit there and go, "Hey, we're not getting the draft compensation we want. If we wait until after June first, we can spread out the forty million dollar cap pit we would have to take." So the Packers certainly can sit there and I think hold firm and. Maybe the Jets are already okay with Aaron Rodgers not showing up to their offseason workouts, which is something he did not do with the Green Bay Packers last year. And having some sort of familiarity with the offensive coordinator in Nathaniel Hackett certainly would help with that. So it's right now just a staring contest between the Packers and Jets as they try to figure out who has that magical word, once again, the leverage to actually come off their position and actually get this deal done. And we're going to be playing this waiting game as you mentioned, potentially into the summer between the Jets and the Packers. Speaking of things happening into the summer, baseball, we're now underway. New rules fully integrated through the first weekend. So how are those new rules working out in baseball? Today they didn't work in the favor of uh, one of the sluggers playing a game this afternoon. We'll dive into that and see how those rules are working out across Major League Baseball. Coming up next, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. 
That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Pitch clock violation sweeping the nation in Major League Baseball, as there was one today. But how has the pitch clock been faring so far after a weekend of games? It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speaker, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Gabe Knight, so along with Courtney Crone as we in, fill in for the guys today. And... Yesterday, I'm based in Milwaukee. Brewers had their home opener yesterday as they took on the New York Mets. It was the first time in person I got to experience the pitch clock, Courtney. And I got to say, even as somebody who considers themselves a baseball guy and was a little skeptical of these changes, I absolutely loved it. Because you can't just like look away. That your your focus is going to be on the field. So many times at a baseball game, all right. Well, there's ball one. Okay, I'm going to pull up my phone. All right, see if anything's happening on Twitter. And you're scrolling through because it's 30 seconds before the next pitch, and the game just continues to move. Yesterday, Milwaukee won that game, 10 nothing. A lot of runs that were scored. Still only took two hours, 37 minutes. The time of game and having everything that happens in a baseball game compressed down into a smaller, more consumable window, I, I found it very enjoyable to be at the game yesterday. I don't know if you've been to a game yet. I don't know if you've watched a lot of these games, but I think this has been a good change for baseball. I think it has been. I have not been to a game yet, but I have watched. I watched all of opening day last Thursday. Uh, got to see the Cubs game. Got to see Marcus Stroman, the first player to have a pitch clock violation. That will one day be a <laughs> trivia question. Um, and it's. I think it's really good for the sport right now. Right now. We're still in the very early stages of it where we saw it implemented at the beginning of spring training, get the kinks out of it. We're learning how it looks at the major league level in real games, and I can't say it's been anything but successful early on. Now, the one area I hope that baseball is willing to amend is close games in the ninth inning, anywhere between like two or three runs. Maybe we say, okay, pitch clock, you can go away for this inning because you don't want to rush those moments. But there's been so much less standing around, so much less nonsense going on in the batter's box and guys calling time and, you know, the eight seconds that they have to get in there, which is what Manny Machado ended up, you know, dealing with today. And that's the reason that he was, you know, upset and he, uh, you know, got in the umpire's face talking back. Then he gets ejected. But, it's it's meant to speed up the game. I don't buy the whole like oh we're trying to get like more you know younger fans, people with shorter attention spans because they go on TikTok if there's a long pause between at bats. It's trying to make the game better, a better consumable product for everyone watching and so far I think they've done that. The only complaint I had yesterday, there was I mean there were probably three or four pitch clock violations and one happened right away in the first inning. But nobody knew if it was a ball or a strike. What so can like, you can, can you explain to me? Like, what are we supposed to? If, if I'm a scorekeeper, I haven't yep. kept score for a baseball game since like I was in eighth grade when I was scoring it for my middle school team. But like, what do you write down for a pitch clock violation? Uh, I mean, if you're just if you're just scoring like and you're keeping track of balls and strikes, my guess is you just mark it as a ball. But in in the case of the Manny Machado incident today, where it was strike three. I don't know what that is because usually, you know, strikeout swinging, it's a forward K, strikeout looking, you put the backward K. I don't know what strikeout via pitch clock is supposed to be in your scorebook. I have no idea. I, I, the one thing that I would love to maybe a month from now is hear from the broadcasters 
I want to hear from people who are doing this on radio, not TV, because TV has the luxury of having, you know, graphics and having the video feed up there where you don't have to be rapidly getting every single pitch. Sometimes the video tells a story for you. What about the radio broadcasters, though? What about the official scorers of the game? Can they leave their seat at all to go to the bathroom in the middle of the game because of how quick everything's (laughs) happening and you look up and you already got another pitch that you have to account for? And tell what happened. I am really excited to see how different their jobs are. I think it honestly is probably going to make their jobs a little bit more difficult because you don't have the natural barrier of time in between pitches the way that you used to. The the one thing I think you'll have to do as well if you're a fan, you're going to have to figure out how to budget your time when you make that walk to the either get get yourself another beer, whether you want to get yourself another you know hot dog or brat, whatever you're looking to get. Because if that line's long, you're going to be missing a lot more of the game than you were in the past. You're going to want to find a way to make sure you're not missing some of that if, if you happen to be, you know, come across a long line as you're trying to get more concessions. Trying to figure out how you're going to, you know, manage your time when you're at the game. It's certainly something that you're, is going to have to cross your mind as well. But I, for the most part, these rules, I think, have been a very, very good thing for baseball. And Rob Manfred on High Heat on MLB Network yesterday he agrees. He thinks they have, these have gone. Things have gone smoothly, and he credits the players for the success of these new rules. We felt we understand understood as a result of our, our research what the fans wanted to see, and we're really pleased at how smoothly the implementation of these this rules have gone. And and I would be remiss if I didn't say this: the players have been great. Um, whatever their thought was or is on the rule changes, they've adjusted. Um, like the great athletes that they are, they've been positive about the rule changes, and we couldn't be happier about the early returns. I, I think there are some players that have maybe struggled a little bit more, maybe some of those pitchers who can be a little bit more deliberate. I think of more closers, guys like Craig Kimbrell, who seem to take a long time when they enter the game to try to get those last three outs in the ninth inning. But 98% of players seem to they have adjusted to these rules which is saying something huge because the the players pushed back because the relationship between owners and players in baseball is that anytime one side suggests something because the relationship is so contentious, the other side is just going to reject it out of just general principle. And the fact that the players have pushed back on these rules and now accepted these rules is only a good thing. I think even for baseball going forward and potentially for the relationship between the Players Association and the owners. Yeah, it's not going to be something that I think gets worked out right now. But if we can continue to see success with it and continue to see some of these rule changes, I mean, I know that there hasn't been much debate right now over the shift and the lack there, you know, the lack of the shift and nobody's complained about the bases just yet. I hope that these yield what baseball was hoping, that it's going to create more offense and a more fast-paced, exciting game. Because that's what they that's the entire reason that they put these rules in in the first place. They want to see the shift. They want to see more runs scored after, you know, a drought the last couple of years. Yeah, and because of the shift, and, and baseball was kind of trending this way anyway, but because of the shift and because teams were less willing to steal bases than they were 20, 25 years ago, baseball was only being played realistically one way. And that was 
you hope for a walk, maybe a strikeout, but you're trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark constantly, which, I mean, people love dingers, but I think people also like a little bit of variety. You think of how, you know, how different teams are that we were just talking about in the NBA as they try to make a push for the postseason, whether you're the, you know, the, uh, the Denver Nuggets who really rely on Jokic and the way that he can pass the ball and really move, or the way that the Golden State Warriors play with all the threes that they hit and getting up and down the floor. In baseball, they're trying to now, okay, yeah, you can hit a bunch of home runs if you have a team like the San Diego Padres who have sluggers up and down the lineup. But if you're a team like the Milwaukee Brewers, the Kansas City Royals, or the Tampa Bay Rays that can't afford to go out there and and buy a slugger, well, you can try to steal bases and take extra bases and just have different strategies that can be implemented throughout the course of a baseball game. And that's, again, I think that's just going to be a good thing for baseball going forward, having different ways that you can play the game. Coming up next on Canty and Carlin, so much for that trip to the White House. That and more. It's three and out. Coming up next, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Some of the stories we didn't get to throughout the course of Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We talk about right now. I'm Gabe Knight, so along with Courtney Cronin as we fill in for the guys today and where we begin three and outs. Courtney, well, it's just a Patriot reunion that's going to be happening in Las Vegas because Josh McDaniels has decided that his backup quarterback to Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be that former Patriots veteran quarterback, Brian Hoyer. They signed him to a two-year deal. That is according to Adam Schefter, who had that report earlier today. It seems just coincidental, but I mean, having a backup quarterback who you're familiar with and has been a fairly decent backup quarterback, this seems like a solid signing for the Raiders. If you have familiarity with the player and Brian Hoyer, you know, has played a lot of football. He's durable for all intents and purposes, intents and purposes. And I just think that if you are the Las Vegas Raiders and know that Jimmy Garoppolo has missed a considerable amount of games the last couple years. Signing Brian Hoyer to a two-year deal is a very low-risk, high-reward move if you end up having to go the route of playing him. But it's good to have somebody like this in your quarterback room. I don't think that it completely rules them out of drafting a quarterback at seven. Again, like we're talking all this mock draft stuff. Everybody's got all the quarterbacks gone by five. The Raiders are sitting there at seven. There's a couple weeks before the draft comes around, and silly season is not over yet. Let's not rule out the fact that the Raiders could very well get in on one of these quarterbacks and bring him into a room that is built up to help a young guy succeed. The Seahawks sitting at five, the Lions sitting at six, and the Raiders sitting at seven all to me are in similar situations. And if we keep talking about Will Levis and Anthony Richardson potentially being more projects where they would benefit from sitting for a year before you have to play them, or maybe even two years in the case of some of these guys because you want to continue to develop them. Like Jimmy Garoppolo, great guy to learn from. Uh, Geno Smith as well. Jared Goff. Like these are all good guys to learn from if you have a young quarterback, if your future quarterback situation is a little uncertain. As for this, like Brian, when, when you 
you think of a backup quarterback and go, ah, can he win you a game or two if, if your starter's down for three or four games? Brian Hoyer is the first guy that comes to your mind. Where you go, yeah, he could win a game or two for you if you had to. You can go two and two, keep the team afloat till the starter comes back, and then you go on a run for the postseason. Brian Hoyer seems like that prototypical backup quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he's played for a bunch of teams. He started 40 games, been in 76. A 16 and 24 record as a starting quarterback's not terrible. No, no, not at all. This is a good insurance policy. This is the time for backup quarterbacks. You're starting to see the movement happen where rooms are getting filled because teams are starting to prepare for the draft and who's bringing in what quarterback in the draft and trying to get that thing set up so you're not picking through the, like, clearance rack more or less after the draft trying to get everything set up for training camp and your practice squad doing it now ensures that they're going to have a pretty good situation going forward going into training camp going you know trying to get good play coming into OTAs three and out brought to you by Union Pacific get your career on track with Union Pacific Railroad apply at up.jobs slash sports number two three and out we go back to Caitlin Clark as she addressed Jill Biden saying that she hoped to have Iowa join LSU at the White House that since has been backtracked but here's what Caitlin Clark had to say on Sports Center about potentially going to the White House as a runner-up I don't think runner-ups usually go to the White House. I think LSU should, you know, enjoy that moment for them. And congratulations, obviously, they deserve to go there. Uh, maybe I could go to the White House on different terms, though. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, that's for LSU. So, um, you know, that's a pretty cool moment, and they should enjoy every single, you know, second of being a champion. The least shocking thing I think she could have said. Like, she is a competitor, Right, that she had zero issue with the trash talk that came her way. She thought that that was fair because she's a trash talker herself. And as a competitor, as somebody who wants to earn those things, that she clearly wants to go to the White House. But she wants to go to the White House because she won a national championship, not because the first lady was entertained by the championship game and thought that you know both teams should just show up. She does not need to be coddled. The Iowa Hawkeyes do not need to be coddled. It sucks to lose. It does, and they will be the first ones to tell you that because they're not over it right now, 48 hours removed. How could you possibly be? You just lost the national championship. The last thing you want to do is go relive that when you watch the LSU Tigers in their bling and rings and everything else that they're going to be bringing with them to the White House to celebrate. You don't want to go relive that with the team that just knocked you out of the national championship. This is motivation for her to try to get back to that stage next year. I'm thrilled she's coming back, and I think it's good for the game of college basketball that we do not coddle these players, women's college basketball, because we don't do it in the men's game. Imagine if San Diego State had gotten the same sort of treatment. (laughs) We'd be up in arms about it the same way we are about Iowa getting this weird invite and then getting it rescinded. You know, Courtney, Florida Atlantic really battled in that Final Four game. I think they should also go to the White House. Even though they didn't even make the championship game, they had the hearts broken We do not give out participation trophies here on Canty and Carlin. No. The guys would not stand for that. No. They would not, and I'm glad Caitlin Clark handled it the way that she handled it. And then finally, it is Masters Week, and today a lot of press conferences happened, including from five-time champ Tiger Woods. It is his 25th Masters Tournament this week. By the way, you can watch the first two rounds on ESPN, stream on ESPN+. Plus. Tiger Woods, I've got a feeling he'll be featured in those featured groups Thursday morning at 1018 on ESPN+, Plus, 1018 a.m. Eastern. Well, here's Tiger Woods with reporters saying, that he understands that you know he could be toward the end of his career, especially at Augusta National. 
When you're playing this course, does it ever cross your mind, this could be the last time? Yes, it has. Last year was, didn't know if I was, I was going to play again at that time. For some reason, everything kind of came together. And I kind of pushed a little bit and I was able to make the cut, which was nice. Yeah, I, I don't know how many more I have in me. So just to be able to appreciate the time that I have here and, and cherish the, the memories. I don't know if there is a uh, athlete in modern sport that has meant more to his sport or her sport than Tiger Woods and all the money that has come into this sport because of his success in the late 90s and early 2000s. And he still drives viewership like nobody else in the game of golf. Golf, though, is going to have to figure it out what it means without Tiger Woods. That being said, I'm sure ESPN is certainly glad that he's still teeing it up this week. He's 47 years old, Gabe. At this point of his career, coming off of the car accident a few years ago, not sure he'd ever be able to walk normally again. Last year was awesome. It was so cool when we got to see Tiger return to the Masters and actually make a run after making the cut. This year and going forward, I if you're just happy to see him play, then that's one thing and you should relish in that. I just, you know, the expectations surrounding him, Year in, year out, don't set yourself up for disappointment. I mean, if something happens, great, but I don't go all in on the Tiger basket the way that we did prior to this accident. I mean, Courtney, obviously he's not going to win. No. But. Scotty Scheffler's going to win. But what if he did? You know, I'm just saying, what if he did? Probably throw those tampon jokes away. (laughs) Nobody's making those anymore. (laughs) That's very fair. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio, it's going to be Joe and Amber. This has been Canty and Carlin. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.